we'll look at that later in the sermon together. Um, we'll structure it as we did last time. Um, we will look at uh, the sermon, and then Tim will also share something of his uh, experience of practicing the Sabbath. But this is um, a heads up to set the context of what we'll look at later in our service. So, of course, we do live in a hectic culture, a 24-7 culture, a culture which is relentless in uh, endless productivity, workaholism, and distraction, and I'd say also burnout and anxiety. So it is a way of life to which we've all grown sadly accustomed. Now, this tired system of life uh, is bad for us. It destroys our souls, our bodies, our relationships, and ultimately our society. Now, the whole world grows exhausted because, I would say, humanity has forgotten to practice and enter into God's rest. So today we're taking time to focus on the Sabbath. Uh, worryingly, it is a practice that has been misunderstood and neglected by many. Now, my own experience of growing up uh, of the Sabbath was basically it was a day of don'ts. It's quite a negative thing. You don't do this. But actually, when truly understood, it's a day not of don'ts, but a day of delight. Uh, we actually touched on the Sabbath in 2013. We had a series in Exodus, and we had a whole sermon when we were looking at uh, the Sabbath and the God-giving of the law. Uh, and at that time, I remember thinking, I'm convinced this is important, but it didn't actually make a difference to my weekly rhythm of life. Uh, I, wasn't, I didn't know how to practice Sabbath, and uh, I'm still... I'm not saying I do now, but I'm still working on it. But what I'd say to you, in the last two years, uh, I've started to dig down further on this whole area of the Sabbath. And I've started to see uh, the wonder and the beauty of Sabbath as God intended it. And so today is part of that process for me to continue growing in that, but also to put it on the agenda for us together to grow in this and to help each other to grow in it. Now, Christians are divided on the question as, where, as to whether the Sabbath is still applicable for New Testament believers. And indeed, even within our own uh, tribe of uh, Reformed uh, theology communities, uh, that would be the case even within our own tribe. But uh, Reformed theology generally affirms uh, the continuity of the, the moral law and would confer, uh, confirm and affirm the continuity of the Sabbath. So more Reformed uh, Christians practice the Sabbath than in any other area of Christendom, I would suggest. Uh, remember, of course, that the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is the basis of our standard of faith, actually affirms the Sabbath as still being applicable. So today, uh, we're going to look at, uh, in the sermon, the theology of the Sabbath and the practice of the Sabbath. So there's two aspects, the theology and the practice. And Tim will continue to build, I think, on the practice aspect of it. Now, just to give you a heads up on uh, book resources, uh, there's a very good book by John Frame, who's a wonderful Reformed theologian, uh, and this book, The Doctrine of the Christian Life, has three chapters on the Sabbath, particularly looking at it in terms of picking up from the, the, being, it being the fourth commandment. And he does a very good job of laying out the different positions on whether the Sabbath is still applicable to today or not and argues a very good case for saying it is. So I commend that to you. Uh, here's the book again, which I've mentioned before, uh, John Mark Comer's Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, so he has a, a chapter on Sabbath. Um, he's quite good on practice of it and how Sabbath 
particularly is important for us in our modern day society. Uh, this book, uh, Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton, uh, she's very good on the practice of Sabbath. Uh, I don't read it uncritically. There are aspects of it I wouldn't agree with in terms of not just the Sabbath, but just our overall book. So I read it critically, but she's very good on the practice and the practical application. So I commend that to you as well. Uh, the other book, which I haven't got a copy of because I have an e-book of it, is one by Dan Allender called Sabbath. Uh, so I also commend that to you. And the, uh, all the references, uh, well, those resources are listed on the outline, uh, the, on the service bulletin. So what we'll do now is look at the survey results from our spiritual health survey on the Sabbath. So question 13 said this, how regularly would you observe a Sabbath day in your week, uh, brackets a 24-hour period when you intentionally cease work and engage in creative ways of delighting in and worshiping God? Uh, note, this may include, but is more than just attending a church service. So there we have it. Um, so from left to right is um, sort of increasing frequency as you move to the right. Uh, so left, of course, is never. And what we see there, of course, is that uh, two-thirds of us responded never. And only a fifth of us would practice Sabbath between five to 11 times a year. So that's less than monthly. So it would seem it's not a practice we are currently engaging in, uh, most of us, to a, a significant degree. Question 14. Uh, life feels too busy for me to practice a 24-hour Sabbath. Well, yep, uh, I think we're all feeling the strain and the tension of that. 83% of us answered, yes, we feel life is too busy. And I can relate to that. Question 15. I see value for my life in observing Sabbath. Uh, now, we seem to be convinced that there is value in it. Only 5% saw no value in observing a Sabbath. Uh, question 16, I understand what observing a Sabbath day would practically involve. Well, it seems over 90% of us have a reasonable idea of what observing a Sabbath day would practically involve. But I would suggest to you that there's a lot more to it than meets the eye. And there's a lot more digging down we can do on it because uh, I myself am realizing that when it comes to the practice of it, I really struggle in that area. Here's the last question. If you do practice a Sabbath day, what is it that you do or do not do on your Sabbath that distinguishes it as, as a Sabbath day? So uh, we have a variety of responses, uh, listening to Christian music and meditating on God, but I would not always do it for a 24-hour period. I always listen to the minister's preaching, that's encouraging, uh, including carefully and join the church service wholeheartedly with prayers and share the joy with the church members. Uh, Sabbath is spending time with family, the family of God, worshiping and spending time with family to slow down. Uh, go to church, uh, avoid doing work or housework, reduce the use of technology, uh, be available for others, so there's some quite practical ideas. Uh, housework, this is what you wouldn't do, I think. <laughs> Don't do housework, preparing for the coming week, etc. Uh, don't work, uh, do attend church, see parents and to their needs. Uh, intentionally not allow work to become a distraction. Uh, not doing routine work, uh, not doing weekday work commitments, no to-do list items, that's quite helpful. Uh, 
I did once upon a time, it meant deliberately choosing to defer ordinary things so that I could prioritize the things of God on that day. Uh, a Sabbath meal, and somebody thought, oh, that's a novel idea. Okay. So, uh, that is all we'll say at this stage by way of introduction, uh, but we'll come back to the Sabbath uh, in due course later in the service. But now I hand over and back to Tracy for the kids' talk. We'll structure our time together uh, in the sermon is we'll have the sermon, and then we'll have Tim's uh, sharing as well, and then we'll open up for comments and questions. Okay? So please do note down your comments and questions for after Tim has shared with us. Uh, before we uh, look further at this uh, wonderful topic, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Sabbath, uh, this rhythm that you've built into our created order, into the fabric of our reality and the fabric of our world. And we pray that as we reflect on it today, we would come to see more clearly uh, how important it is, how beautiful it is, and how necessary it is. So please, we pray, help us to grow in our understanding of it, but also how we can encourage each other in the practice of it. And we pray this for our benefit as we continue your journeying towards the new creation. And we pray this also to bring you glory. Amen. So the question we are posing ourselves uh, in the spiritual health series is this. Uh, how do we stay spiritually healthy in the midst of busy, demanding lives and indeed demanding ministries? Uh, how do we avoid our souls becoming dry and God seeming distant? Uh, we've seen that the big danger is what we're calling hurry sickness and the challenge is, if you recall, to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. Uh, we've also made the observation that hurry sickness is not the same as busyness. Uh, Jesus was often busy, but never hurried. So we're asking the question, uh, how did he do it? Uh, what practices did Jesus adopt that provided a healthy structure to his life? Uh, what were his soul habits? Now we've seen previously, Jesus carved out time for solitude and silence. That was what we looked at last month. And today we are looking at another life-giving practice of Jesus. Of course, the Sabbath. Now, we can be sure that Jesus observed the Sabbath every week. Uh, the Sabbath was one of the Ten Commandments, and as we know, Jesus perfectly kept God's law. Hence, his life was shaped by this weekly rhythm of setting aside an entire day just to slow down and to stop. Of course, Jesus was frequently accused of doing what was unlawful on the Sabbath, but that was not a breach of God's law but human rules that had grown up around God's law. Uh, in Mark chapter 2, which we had read to us, uh, the nitty-picky Pharisees accused Jesus' disciples of being Sabbath breakers for picking some heads of corn whilst walking through a field. And the religious leaders had really missed the heart of God behind this practice. And so Jesus responds, he corrects them, he rebukes them by saying this, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath was created and designed by God himself for us. It's a gift from him to us, one for which we need to gratefully receive and enjoy and apply. 
And as we're going to see, it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. Let me give you a brief roadmap as to the structure of what we'll look at today. We'll look at, firstly, the theology of the Sabbath, and there'll be two subheadings under that. Uh, the Sabbath is, helps us to celebrate God's goodness in creation. But secondly, the Sabbath helps us to celebrate and anticipate God's goodness in redemption. So that will be the theology of the Sabbath, and then we'll look, secondly, at the practice of the Sabbath. So, therefore, uh, the theology of the Sabbath, it's given to us to help us to celebrate God's goodness in creation. Uh, the word Sabbath is from the Hebrew word Shabbat, and it literally means to stop, uh, to stop working as we do on the other days of the week. Now, the first recorded instruction by God to practice the Sabbath was given to the Israelites soon after their liberation from slavery in Egypt. Now, they're in the desert. Uh, life in the desert for one million people is hard and stressful. Uh, how will they be sustained? Where is the food going to come from? And of course, God miraculously provides for them. Uh, he literally gives them bread from heaven. But there is still work to do. And their part is to go out each day and to collect the manna and then to prepare it. But they're only to collect just enough for that day. And yet, God gives Moses this curious instruction for the people concerning the sixth day of the week in Exodus 16, verse 5. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Why should they do this? Well, the explanation is not long in coming. Verse 23. Tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath, to the Lord. In that short verse, we see compacted in three principles of the Sabbath. Uh, firstly, the Sabbath is a day of rest. It's a day on which we are to cease from our work. Uh, secondly, it is to be taken every seven days. There is a pattern and a rhythm to life. Work sick days and rest on one day. Work and rest. And thirdly, did you notice, the day is holy to the Lord. It's a day to be set aside as special unto God. So you see, the rest is not just to be recreation. Uh, the rest is not just to be aimless. It's to be God-centered. Uh, the Sabbath is more than just a day off. It is a day centered on God when his people worship him and delight in him. But here's the question. What does God-centered rest look like? Uh, a short while later, uh, God leads his people to Mount Sinai. And of course, there he gives them his law, what we know as the Ten Commandments. And the Sabbath comes in at number four. Uh, Sabbath rest was not optional. Uh, Sabbath rest was actually a commandment to God's people. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no, not, a, not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or your maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. But an accompanying explanation is given 
pointing to the origin of the Sabbath and why they should keep it. Because what is said is then it was a pattern established by God at the very beginning of creation. Verse 11 continues. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that in them is in them. But he rested on the seventh day and therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. In creating over six days and then resting on the seventh day, God intentionally set a pattern for us to follow. It is a vital rhythm that God has stitched into the very fabric of his creation and we ignore it at our peril. I've got a quote here, I like this one. Uh, it's been said, if you go, go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. It's quite good, isn't it? But we're still thinking about what does God resting on the seventh day actually involve? And what does God-centered rest involve for us? When we look back at the creation accounts, of course, when God ceases from his work, he isn't doing that because he is tired. Uh, he's not ceasing from his work and resting to recuperate. Uh, it's not that God is exhausted and has to regain his strength. So what does God resting mean? Well, when God rests, it means that he is savoring and enjoying all that he's made. He is taking delight in all he's made. Of course, we see that repeated refrain. It is very good. When God rests on the seventh day, he is celebrating all that he's made by resting in it and enjoying it. And that is a key clue for what the Sabbath is for us also. As we've seen, the Hebrew word for Sabbath means to stop, but it also can be translated to delight. It carries this dual sense, therefore, of stopping, but also delighting in God. So the Sabbath is when we take time out to savour and to celebrate God's goodness to us in all that he has made. The Sabbath is an oasis in the week when we experience joy and delight and respond in worship and gratitude to God. But there is also another facet of the Sabbath rest. Not only is the Sabbath rest to celebrate God's goodness in creation, it's also to celebrate and to anticipate God's goodness in redemption. Of course, the generation of Israelites liberated from Egypt never reached the promised land. They refused to believe God's promise of a special lavish land of their own. And as a result, God refused them entry. And they all died in the desert. Now, by the time of Deuteronomy chapter 5, the next generation of Israelites are about to enter the land. And at this point, God renews his covenant with them and he reiterates the, tenth, the Ten Commandments. But there is a surprising tweak that points to another purpose of the Sabbath. At this time, when we come to the Fourth Commandment, the rationale for keeping it is not linked to creation, but to redemption. Uh, verse 12, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you, and then it continues to unpack and reiterate what was said previously. 
But then comes verse 15. Remember, and this is the reason for observing it, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. So the Sabbath was a day to remember and celebrate God's redemption. It was a time to worship him for his faithfulness to his promises. Yet, of course, the promise God gave to Abraham had a far grander fulfillment than a piece of scrubby real estate in the Middle East. Uh, Shortly after Deuteronomy chapter 5, the Israelites would enter the land under Joshua's leadership. At last they would be able to enjoy God's rest in the land, savoring life in all its fullness. But of course they never truly enjoyed that rest. And it was always blemished by the effects of sin and living in a fallen world. And of course, as the biblical history unfolds, it becomes clear that life in the promised land of Canaan was just a mere shadow of a far more wonderful reality. And that, of course, is life in the promised land of the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. When we get to the New Testament, the writer of the Hebrews Hebrews, uh, observes this, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. You see, the Sabbath rest for the people of God is still a future reality for which we are still waiting. It's only in the renewed creation that we are going to be able to enjoy God's Sabbath rest in all its fullness. It's still a future reality. So do you see the link? We keep the Sabbath now in anticipation of the ultimate Sabbath rest then. Sabbath is the day that bridges two great events in time, the creation by God in the past and the recreation by God of the new heavens and the new earth. I've got a great quote from Dan Allender in his book Sabbath. He says this, Sabbath is a feast day that remembers our leisure in Eden and anticipates our play in the new heavens and the new earth with family, with friends and strangers for the sake of the glory of God. So, uh, to summarise it up to this point, the Sabbath is a day designed to delight in. It's a day not just to rest our bodies, but also to replenish and to restore our souls. Uh, The Sabbath is a day to feast and to celebrate. Again, I've got a great quote here from Dan Allender. He has this to say about the Sabbath. Uh, The Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it is the best day of the week. It is the day we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday and the day we remember on Sunday, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, where we play, where we dance, where we have sex, brackets if you're married, where we sing, where we pray, where we laugh, where we tell stories, 
We read, we paint, we walk, and we watch creation in all its fullness. Few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and to sanctify it, to make it holy, because a day, a full day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. So we thought about uh, the theology of the Sabbath. Let's move on more briefly to think about the practice of the Sabbath before I hand over to Tim. So some practical uh, considerations as to the practice of the Sabbath. And the first is preparation. Uh, The Sabbath is a day to be protected, to be planned, and to be prepared for. Uh, Think about it. If we have a special day we're going to celebrate, maybe a special wedding anniversary, and I know some of you have those recently, or a significant birthday, of course, it's a day that doesn't just happen, is it? You plan for it. You think ahead. You discuss, what would it be great to do on this day and this great occasion? And you put that plan in place. The point is, it doesn't just happen. It involves forethought and discussion. And so it is with the Sabbath. Of course, the Jews actually earmarked the day before the Sabbath as the day of preparation. Uh, Think about it. If a special friend was coming to visit you, uh, one whom you hadn't seen for a long time, uh, do you think that uh, you would allow the day to be cluttered with all the mundane domestic chores which you normally do in your regular life? Of course not. That would ruin the occasion. You'd want to have focused quality time with that special friend who you haven't seen for a long time. And so, as a result, you would get out of the way all the mundane chores beforehand. And you'd stock the larder with the food you're going to eat and you'd prepare it beforehand. So it is with the Sabbath. We get the mundane chores of life done before it arrives. And we do the cleaning if we want to clean. And we clear the kitchen. And we stock the pantry. Uh, We buy whatever groceries we need prior to the day. Uh, We may even pre-make meals so that we can have them on the day without the need to prepare on the day. Uh, We answer all phone messages and return all text messages. Maybe we even turn off our phone, dare I say it, or turn it at least to do not disturb mode. Uh, We plan out a rough schedule for the day of the Sabbath. Uh, I've actually put a prompt in my phone on Thursday, which repeats every Thursday, say, Sabbath planning. The idea is, of course, for us to think of things we can do which will make the day special which will make it stand apart in the week. And it is therefore a good idea to discuss it with those who we will celebrate the Sabbath with. You see, the celebration of the Sabbath isn't something we do just individually in our own little cocoon. It's something we do in community with our family, with our friends, and with our church community. Uh, Our boys have particularly embraced the Sabbath with enthusiasm, particularly when it comes to discussing what food we're going to have and what fizzy drinks they're going to have for the special meal. Yes, yes, I remember it very well. So, prepare. Secondly, uh, the question of when. Uh, The aim ideally is to set aside a 24-hour period uh, to rest and to worship. Uh, Not all of us can manage a 24-hour period in our schedules, but that's the target to aim for. Uh, And when is best will vary from person to person. Uh, It doesn't necessarily have to be on the same day for everyone. Uh, For ourselves, uh, Tracy, myself and our family, we want to celebrate it with our kids 
And so we, therefore we've opted for weekend Sabbaths. But for some people, a, a midweek day works better. Uh, we have generally been starting our Sabbath either on Friday night through the Saturday night or Saturday night through the Sunday night, uh, depending on what commitments we have. And we usually start off with a dinner time on the Friday or the Saturday of a special Sabbath meal together, a dinner. Uh, I have to confess that we had more success during lockdown last year when life was a lot simpler, but uh, with Saturday sport being reintroduced into the calendar, uh, it is becoming more of a struggle. So, uh, that was when. Uh, thirdly, what? Uh, the heart of the Sabbath is, of course, when we cease from our work so that we can rest and delight in God's good gifts. And now, for some of us who grew up in families that observed the Sabbath, uh, the day had quite a negative vibe. It was all about what we didn't do. Uh, in my family, much to my dismay, uh, one of the rules is we didn't watch TV. The impact was to, certainly to make the day different for me, but not in a way which I particularly appreciated. And for me as a kid, the day was certainly different, but in a negative way. And so I'd suggest to you that in terms of what we do on the day, we have to ask two fundamental questions. Uh, one is negative, but one is positive. So firstly, what activities will I refuse to engage in so that it is truly a day of rest and delight and worship? But secondly and positively, what activities will bring me and us delight and give life to my soul? And how are they going to be incorporated into the day? Uh, what we will do on the Sabbath will vary according to a stage of life. Uh, the Bridgetown Church in Portland, Oregon, uh, has a very good section on this. Uh, they've actually listed uh, different stages of life uh, for people, and then they've sort of listed activities which would be applicable to that stage of life. And if you're interested in that, uh, just get in contact with me and I'll give you a copy of that. So, but we think of things that we can do that will make the day a day to stand apart, a special day, a day when we can really savor the goodness of God and his creation to us and anticipate the new creation ahead of us. So it may be uh, a special meal. It could be a picnic in the park. It could be reading a spiritual book that we love. It could be a time with a friend who we particularly uh, savor. Uh, it could be a walk in nature. Uh, in terms of connecting with God's creation, of course, our senses are key to that. And so, think about, well, how can I engage my senses to enjoy the creation? Touch, taste, smell, sight, hearing. So, uh, that could be a special meal uh, where we start the Sabbath off. Because, of course, food is engaging with our senses and we're savoring the goodness of God as we do so. Uh, when we have our Sabbath meal, uh, we get the white tablecloth out. Uh, we'll say normally a prayer at the beginning of it, maybe the ironic blessing. Uh, we will then light two candles, and the kids like enjoying, enjoy lighting candles, and so they'll light two candles as part of a bit of a ceremony to start it. But in terms of this connecting with the wonder of God's creation, uh, Dan Allender makes this observation, and I quote, God intends the beauty in nature to arouse us and to capture our hearts, to desire him. Our senses enable us to engage with his beauty. 
And so we can ask these questions when we think about what we're going to do on the Sabbath. What beauty will you explore and get lost in during this day of celebration? What beauty will open your eyes to the wonder of God and his creation in order to increase your awe and your gratitude? So it could be going for a slow, meditative walk in the bush. It could be watching one of those amazing David Attenborough documentaries on the creation. Although if he attributes the glory of the creation to evolution at that point, he may intervene with a comment which redirects the credit to where it should really go. It could be just engaging with media which brings out the glory of creation. So one of the things we did in last year in lockdown was... Um, we read some of those verses in Job, for example, which talk about God sends the lightning bolts and the snow. And then we would look at uh, some videos on YouTube which have uh, incredible footage of lightning storms and just seeing the wonder of creation. Uh, it could be that we engage with music. Uh, last year we had one slot where we said, okay, everyone chooses a special piece of music for them and shares why it is special. And we all listen and enjoy that and engage with that. So the, heart, the thing is, we touch our hearts with the wonder of the creation and we use our senses to engage with that. And in closing, uh, the Sabbath, of course, is the day not just to enjoy the present, but also anticipate the future, the new creation. It's a vital point at which we refocus our minds, which become jaded amidst living in a fallen world. And so therefore the Sabbath does help us to anticipate what is to come as we savour the goodness of the creation that God has made now. It reminds us the Sabbath rest of God is still to come in all its fullness and therefore we are participating in it now in fulfilment of that, anticipating it. Okay, uh, I'm going to hand over to Tim now uh, to share further before we open up to comments and questions. James just asked me to share a few thoughts on what practice of this looks like. Um, I think I'd echo a lot of what James has said there. Uh, one of the things mentally for me uh, is to recognise Sabbath as a recognition that God has given me more time than I need. In the same way that when I give money, uh, I'm saying God has given me more resources than I need. When I exercise Sabbath, I'm saying God has given me more time than I need. Um, I, so for us as a family, um, it is an intentional slowing down. Uh, we typically do this Saturday night to Sunday night. Um, the kids play soccer uh, on Saturday mornings or afternoons. Uh, and so we often, Saturday night to Sunday night. Uh, like James said, there's a negative question and a positive question. What am I not going to do? So we don't, we don't do housework, as if other people in my house did housework. Uh, I don't do housework. Um, and I don't ask the kids to tidy their rooms or put their washing away or things like that. Uh, I don't check my emails. I don't clean. I do cook because I enjoy cooking and I find cooking is something that makes me more appreciative of God. Uh, and so we do cook, on, or I do cook on the Sabbath, uh, but I avoid almost all other housework. Not legalistically, if the washing hasn't dried on Saturday, we don't have a dryer. I will bring the washing in on a Sunday um, because we're not trying to be legalistic about it. Uh, but if the washing hasn't dried because I slept in on a Saturday uh, and didn't do the washing until two o'clock in the afternoon, that's, that's more of a signal to me that I'm not preparing for Sabbath as I ought to be. 
Uh, Sabbath involves a lot of preparation because there's a lot of work that needs to be done. There's cooking for the week and cleaning and children's clothes that need to be washed and all sorts of things that need to be tidied. Um, and it requires us to say no to things during the week and on the weekend as well. Uh, we, we say no to things that are going to interfere with our practice of Sabbath on a Sunday, uh, but we also say no to things that are going to fill the week up so much that I can't then use the day of preparation to prepare properly for the Sabbath. Uh, and so we've been really thoughtful about what commitments we make for us and the kids. Uh, we actually, at the start of this year, identified family gatherings as something that was frequently distracting us from what we wanted to do on the Sabbath. Uh, and so we said, uh, my family lives scattered across New South Wales, it hasn't been a challenge, but Abra's family obviously lives quite close. And so we said, look, we're going to actually limit the number of family gatherings that we participate in, uh, in order to invest in relationships with you by having you over for a special meal uh, on our Sabbath. Um, my comment would be that it, when I started trying to do this, I thought it was impossible. I work full time, I'm a full time dad. We only have one parent who can do housework and uh, stay on top of all the things, not to mention all the logistics of school and soccer and music lessons and things like that. Uh, but we have been able to do it. Um, and that to some extent has surprised me that we can create a 24 hour time. Uh, often it involves having uh, people around for dinner on a Saturday night who we're trying to deepen relationship with or just enjoy fellowship with. Uh, and often, as James has shared, it involves a special meal for us on a Sunday night, um, a breaking of some of the ordinary rules that we might have about the amount of sugar that we eat or the amount of uh, oily, fatty potatoes that we consume and things like that. So the, uh, one of the things I discovered as I started to look at Lent a few years ago, um, the period of fasting during Lent does not include Sundays. Um, the idea is not that you abstain from chocolate, if that's your Lenten um, commitment for f the entirety of Lent. The idea is you abstain from it for six days a week and then enjoy it on, um, on the Sabbath. And so we really picked up this idea of the Sabbath being a feast day, a day of celebrating and delighting in God. Um, I don't think I have anything else. Oh, what do we do? Sorry, that's the other question. Not just what don't we do, what do we do? Uh, we spend time as a family and as individuals. Um, so there's, there's time that's separate and there's time together. That time as a family might be spent playing a game, watching a movie, uh, cooking together. Uh, it might be, if Abra's up to it, going for a drive and just enjoying God's creation. Uh, the time spent separately might be spent reading or listening to music. Um, and it's not for us, it's not centred around God in the way of the content being we're not watching a Christian movie, we're not, we might watch a documentary and reflect on God's beauty, um, it, but it's not uh, listening to sermons, it's not listening to Christian music, although we might. It's, it's centred around this idea of slowness and delight, and if our lives are oriented correctly around God, then that delight will lead to a thankfulness to God. Um, I can be just as thankful to God for the non-Christian music that I'm listening to, or the novel that I'm reading, as I can for the Christian music that I'm listening to or the Christian book that I'm reading. Um, we've still got a long way to go as a family. This has been something we've only started to see success in recently, even though we've been trying for a few years. 
um, it's sort of started to come together, as James said, over lockdown, and then we've managed to continue that practice uh, since things started up again. But happy to answer questions and, yeah, reflect further. <laughs>